0: That's when I got into dating again, but it, I went back and I was like, okay, I haven't had sex in so long. How -hmm. can I just bring my body back alive and and feel like Uh. maybe casual sex can still be intentional Mm -hmm. and it can still be elevating and it can still be something that feels present. And so that was a journey. Yeah. And through all of this, yeah, I mean, intention has been everything. And I think the standards have started to spike though. (laughs)
1: So I am recording this immediately after an amazing interview that I just wrapped with Chelsea Lee Trescott, and I have to give a little bit of backstory around how I found her because it's kind of just one of those things where it feels like it's kismet. Essentially, I came across her handle on Instagram, and the reason why it stood out is because her Instagram is called Thank You Heartbreak. So I was like, oh, thank you, heartbreak. Like, I have to click on this, duh, interstates and heartbreak, natural connection. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, she has some really great content around breakups, and so I just followed her. And I was like, yeah, maybe we'll connect in the future. And then that same night, she follows me back. She DMs me. She's like, oh, my God, you should come on my podcast and i'm like um 100% i love being on other people's podcasts so if you're looking for a guest keep that in mind and i was like yeah we should do a podcast swap and immediately it was just so easy to talk with her to connect with her and that really translated in both the episode that i did for her show as well as her episode on my podcast and I just love when that happens, when you make these connections with people who you don't really know, you know, it's like we've had two conversations at this point, and yet we're getting so deep about things that I definitely don't talk about in my day to day with everybody. And it was to the point where, you know, a little bit behind the curtain, I always write outlines for every single episode that I do just to keep myself on track partially, but then I think also just to make sure that the conversation flows a little bit better. And in some cases, especially when I'm interviewing friends, to give them some peace of mind that it's not going to be some gotcha journalistic piece where I bring up something so traumatizing or so personal that they don't want to talk about. So I always write these outlines. And so I did the same for Chelsea. I sent it to her last night. And I fully intended to follow it. But Literally like 10 minutes into the conversation, I'm like, we're not going to follow this outline. I think we ended up touching on most of the same topics just because those were natural things for her to talk about. But the conversation just flowed so easily and she was even more vulnerable and open than I thought she was going to be. Slight trigger warning, she mentions, you know, the fact that she had suffered from an eating disorder at some point when she was in a past relationship. She also talks about an ex that she had who went through a very traumatic accident and then almost committed suicide. So it is very heavy stuff, but it was still like a very uplifting conversation. And I wouldn't say it was all just rehashing trauma. I think it was more positive in the sense that We really focused on like, how can you look at past relationships and breakups that might be really painful in the moment and take something really positive out of that and better yourself as a result? What learnings can you glean from past relationships in order to propel those into like a new relationship? And just like, what can you learn from yourself overall? To help make yourself a better partner for future relationships, to make sure that you're actually ready for another relationship. So we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about the differences between males and females as they're coping with breakups. That was really fascinating to get her perspective as a breakup coach who actually works with a surprising number of male clients. And yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't even really have anything to add because she was so in-depth about everything and had so many wonderful insights. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Chelsea. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. I'm so excited to introduce Chelsea Lee Trescott. She's a breakup coach who is trained and certified in solution-focused life coaching. She's the host of Thank You Heartbreak, so obviously a perfect guest for this podcast. And she's an author and prior Huffington Post advice columnist. Chelsea, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Happy to be here for the show.
1: I'm so excited to record. We recorded on Chelsea's podcast this past Friday and it was so amazing. I have a lot to live up to. She's such an amazing host. And so I'm very confident she's going to be an even more fantastic guest.
0: I mean, you know, it's a different thing. You know, when you're a guest, it's, something else speaks through you. A host is a different skill. So I'm just, I feel fortunate for the opportunity to even be asked a question and see what comes out of me. So thank you for it.
1: Yeah, I remember I was very excited to be a guest on your show because I'm not a guest on shows that often. And it is kind of nice to like, sit back and just kind of see where the conversation goes rather than being in the driver's seat. So yeah, it is definitely a different skill set. You're totally right
0: think about the amount of time that our guests fill the interviews, right? Like how much is pouring out of them? Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of daunting to be like, have it flipped. I'm like, oh my God, like, how am I going to fill the hour? We'll see.
1: I mean, I have no concerns at all, but I get where you're coming from. But I guess we can start off with, The way that we ended your episode was that you asked me my definition of break upwards. And I know that's like a key tenet of like your coaching and of your podcast. And so I'd like to, you know, just get a little bit of background and get some insight into what break upwards means to you and just kind of like a sense of what your podcast and your coaching is all about.
0: Mm -hmm. When the word first came to me, I really saw it as a visual and I think that you know, it was just like everyone would talk about breakdowns in life or breakthroughs or breakups, but it was never something that was like an accelerator, right? Something that like lifted us up. And I hate to just put it as a level of our life because I see it more as like breaking upward is about enlightenment. And I think that my life and a lot of the heartbreak I've seen Again, in my own life. And I think just overall for a lot of people is arriving that, like, once we get into a relationship, we will have arrived. Once we get a job, we will have arrived. And so, breaking upward is about arising to me. It's about not arriving, but looking at how everyone and everything that we're in, you know, is a call to rise in some direction. So, breaking upward is about. After something that completely plummets you, how can that be the thing that launches you into a higher awareness in your life? For me, it's a lot about awareness, about consciousness, and just looking up rather than looking back or just looking at the side of where we are. It's like how to dream again, in a sense, and have our eyes set on a new height.
1: I really love that. And that is very insightful just in terms of the way that we kind of use this language around breakups, because yes, it can be a traumatic thing, but I feel like what I had wished that I had said when you asked me about my definition is it kind of feels like it's an opportunity for an internal glow up. You know, it's like you can take a lot from this trauma and figure out what learnings you can take away about yourself about what you need from relationships, et cetera. And yeah, I do love the idea of like taking this thing that starts out as a negative and elevating it into something positive.
0: I can't imagine like really doing anything else, you know, like to not look at everything as something in a way that was destined for you and something that is for your highest growth. I think that's the way we really forgive even ourselves for whether it's staying too long or choosing as the way that we've chosen. So I think that like so much of breaking upward is about the appreciation that we have for who came along and the awareness that we're the ones that is going to take us to the next level, Mm
1: -hmm. not someone else. Yeah. And I do totally agree. And I've said this before many times on the show, but I feel like a lot of times it's easy to get down on yourself, like I've done it in the past, about staying in a relationship for quote unquote too long and- it can be hard to get out of that mindset, but I just have to keep reminding myself, you know, you had to learn some lessons and maybe it took you two years, but you learned those lessons. And like, had you not gone through these experiences, then it would have had to happen at some point. So it's kind of like the thing that no one wants to hear after a breakup, like everything happens for a reason, or like, you'll come out of this better on the other side. But then once you are better, you can look back and be like, okay, they were right. It's just not easy to swallow in the moment. Right, right. Right. So I always kind of joke that anyone who immerses themselves in the field of dating, whether it be like through a podcast or coaching or anything else, you kind of only do so if you've had at least one very impactful experience. And like, it doesn't always have to be traumatic, but like sometimes it is, or, you know, maybe just like less than ideal. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how your past relationship experience kind of drove your interest in exploring the dating space.
0: Every man, I always say, like I always so. That if I have a wedding, I want like every guy that I've been with to be there. You know, <laughs> since I was a young kid, I always was like, I mean, even my my yearbook when you're a senior and you put all the shout outs to everyone, it was always like a thank you letter to every Mm. guy along the way. Mm -hmm. So I think everyone has been impactful. I mean, even in in high school, I had a boyfriend that got into a motorcycle accident and was pronounced dead on the scene, was airlifted, ended up surviving, being in a coma for a month and a half. And I made that decision even then that I was going to show up regardless of how it looked, regardless if I looked like I was too serious about him, regardless if all of his friends knew about me. I was going to show up and document what was happening for the family members, you know, pour love, be a part of a process that terrified me. I was terrified of hospitals. And so I was the first person he asked for when he woke up. And to me, that really suggested you know, how aware he was probably of my presence at the time. That said, afterwards, he wanted nothing to do with me. And I remember my parents' friends being very nervous for me, you know, therapists saying, do not go there, don't do that, that it could really negatively impact me. And I listened to myself and I think back, I didn't even know then that it was showing me about the level of unconditional love that I was willing to offer. So that was a huge one. I think that during my eating disorder, my first year of college, the relationship that showed up for me during that period of a best friend that then became my boyfriend shaped me in the sense that I began to think that like if I always had a relationship in my life that I always would have been well. So that shaped me in a large way, even though like another beautiful side is that he didn't shame me. He was the only person that didn't shame me. So that was beautiful in its own right. But that I would say really got me into this direction of thinking that I had to be in a relationship in order to not turn on myself. And that was a devastating idea because I went on and I had other relationships and I just missed the boat. I missed the boat that like, it wasn't about someone else being there for me to love myself. Mm-hmm. It was that I had to learn how to lead my own life on my own and to take care of myself. And then I will say that the last relationship I was in dramatically changed the way I date because he was someone I thought I would never be in a relationship with. Oh. He was counter to a lot of the things that I've been told growing up that I should say yes to. And yet- When I met him, I felt like everything inside of me was saying I had to say yes. The smartest decision was to explore this. And he had two children. I never thought I would do that either. Mm -hmm. And so that relationship, though, wasn't negative like my other ones. It was so beautiful, and it transformed my coaching, and it transformed the way I date and the way I advise dating is because it was the first time I was in a healthy relationship. And then it opened me and made me see myself in a different way, not only as being someone that was healthy in a relationship, but someone that was in a dynamic that was beyond just me and the other, just me and my partner and had kids involved. It made me see Mm -hmm. what it was like to be a family. And that was so sobering. When I broke up with him, I knew and maybe it was like a plan, but I knew it was going to take me a long time to fall in love again mm-hmm. because I became so serious about what love meant for me going forward and what I was really trying to create and, and how I had to be careful really with other people's feelings You know, I might be able to ride the wave of relationships and turn it into a positive and see how it comes into my growth and a career and personally, but not everyone is able to make that leap in their mind. And so not everyone's trying to turn it into a positive. It doesn't feel like that to them. And I Mm -hmm. realized it's very powerful the way that I come at relationships because it embraces so many elements and the letdown and all of that and letting go. But just because I have that strength it means I almost have to be more
1: careful with others. Wow. I mean, there is so much to unpack there. And (laughs) one theme that I'm kind of picking up on is you just kind of like staying true to yourself, honestly. And like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I got from your first story about making sure that you were there for your boyfriend Mm -hmm. who was in a coma, because I could see people's influence on you kind of getting to you thinking like maybe this is something that I shouldn't do because I need to protect myself but I do love that you were very true to yourself because I think the worst outcome would be if you were to look back and say I wish that I had been there for this person and like held regret around that versus being able to say no matter what the outcome was I was true to myself and so it ended up the way that it should be.
0: Right I mean I just have to say because I really want people to, I don't know, like take this in is that I didn't get what quote unquote I wanted, or like, I think that we might think that we want, we go and put our heart on the line. We want someone to take us in and accept us. Like, In many ways, people can be like, wow, she was outright rejected. And listen, I can explore the reason why that's not true, but let's just say it. I was outright rejected. This person dismissed me. But I think it was a few years later, I got a phone call from him and he was on a sailboat out in the middle of somewhere, and I remember his family always talking to me in the hospital about being on that sailboat together, and he had a gun to his head, and he, yeah, and I would talk to a lot of people about their breakups, and I read a lot of things online, and it's like block the number. People won't pick up, you know, after they've been crushed. Because I picked up, he's still alive, and it was about his regret about how he had treated me. And it was also in his darkness who he felt like would still show up and and put light back onto him. And so, yeah, like I didn't get him, but he's alive in one part because of me. And that was the purpose all along was to do everything I could in that hospital to keep him alive. And that was the goal. It wasn't about to have him. It was for like the world to keep having him beyond me.
1: That is so deep. And honestly, just mature beyond your years at the time, because you said this was in high school, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just feel like the fact that you had that perspective is extremely impressive because I think it's very easy to get self-absorbed at any age, honestly, when it comes to relationships and heartbreak, but especially when you're in your adolescence, essentially. And the fact that you were able to kind of see the bigger picture and view The impact that you might be able to have on him long-term regardless of the outcome for your relationship is just really amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really one of those experiences that somehow, I mean, I, I wish we were otherwise. I think I really blocked out, blocked out in the sense that I wanted also to protect him. There are certain times in my life because I'm so vocal about the men in my life and my relationships and just my life overall there are some people that fall under a category of like just preciousness to me and i don't explore and i never want anyone whatever to say i would exploit you know obviously there was some really sensational things that happened at that time things that i did in order to try to give love when he came to and that i think that people would be Shocked or disturbed by the the, the length that I went to. And yet it shows me something about myself that I don't think I realized until I was, you know, much older about, I think, how pure my instinct is to love and how, even though I'm not, you know, married now, I think that the kind of standard I hold myself to.
1: Yeah, and that's really great to just be able to hold your future partners to the same standard that like you hold yourself to. Because I think that can be difficult. Like sometimes you can give and not realize that like you need to receive that same level back, and so I think that's what causes resentment and that's what causes anxiety in relationships and leads to like an imbalance in a lot of ways. And so I love that you're using that as a benchmark for future partners to rise up to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And one question I wanted to ask, and of course, I definitely want to be respectful of you not giving any detail around, you know, anything that is very personal about your relationship. But is this someone who maybe you are still in contact with? Like, does he reach out to you as a support system following that phone call?
0: No, you know, it's funny. It's like his sister has been to my apartment, and I have in my hallway a painting that his family got me. But he's married. You know, he has a few children. He met someone, it might've been his next girlfriend. I think, you know, he took some time off. I mean, it was a a long road to recovery, 100%, but he was someone that actually married quite quickly after and hasn't been on social media, but his family has reached out to me. That's also, that's been a theme in a lot of my relationships is that the family is in touch with Mm me. And Whatever that might mean, it's something that like I've chosen also to stay open to. Another thing that people recommend is like block the family, don't be in touch. And of course, if, if someone told me not to be that I was with, but I don't shut down the love. Like that is a big thing in my life. Uh, my love really, I think that people might think it's conditional because a relationship ends. I've always ended my relationships. I've been the one, but my love is not conditional. It's not. Yeah. If anyone. If any person I've been with ever picked up the phone and needed me anywhere, I would be there and I would celebrate them and I would be able to tap in to the love that I had. It's still something I could extend any man that I've been with.
1: That is very admirable. And I, I guess I wonder, have you ever had any partners that have taken umbrage with that, with how open you are to being there for an ex in the event that they needed it?
0: <sighs> yeah. The most like devastating though altering time in my life was the relationship I had when I was in grad school and it was with someone that had been reading my writing for a long time. So they knew that I was someone that spoke about relationships, honored those relationships, but very quickly like could not handle any man in my life, any fr- like saw any friend, any dynamic as the ultimate threat. And I never saw myself as someone. That would fall for that, that would, you know, celebrate someone's jealousy or. Mm-hmm. And I did. I mean, it, it just is crazy the way that, like, slowly but surely, like, because I, when I moved to LA, like, all I really knew were guys. That's been a lot mm-hmm. in my life. I just have that dynamic where there's an element of friendship and just support that I've had from men. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved to LA and i moved a lot in my life and knew no one, and that was part of the devastation. So when I moved there and I actually had people reaching out to me of like friendship and bringing me out into the world. And then here I start dating a guy that's long distance. And he says, you can't have that. You know, he went through my phone, just, he oh, was no. a nervous wreck about it all. He really was. It, mm-hmm. it, it's sad. I was so endeared is not the right word, but I I just broke and seen his nerves with it. And I just, I closed off all the doors to every opportunity to kind of have an integrated life somewhere. And I chose this other relationship. So yeah. And it was the start of a very, very, very isolated three and a half years. And it took, and I, I mean this, having an eating disorder in the shock and the words and just the terror really of that was one thing. This and being pulled away from people and isolated was even harder, was even harder when you lose your voice in relation to others. And also when you know that your intentions are good and those Mm. are like put into question, I think it's a scary place to wind up.
1: Yeah, that that's really hard. And where do you think that came from on his side? Do you think that he had trust issues because of a past relationship? Or was it something that manifested itself for the first time in your relationship because it was a new dynamic for him?
0: It could have been I think it's also like it's it's been kind of like a key part of me. I mean, that's something that comes with my relationships for sure. I mean, I, I see it show up on dates now. I mean, I'm someone that gets attention when I'm out, I have a very natural way of communicating with guys. It's fluid. It's flirtatious. There's banter. There's fun. There's no inhibition. People have said this about myself my whole life. So I think it takes a certain, not just strength in a man, but trust in me, just trust in the relationship, right? Like Jealousy is not just about it's a crutch to say it's about the other. Really it's an insecurity that comes surrounding your own offerings or feeling like there's emotional distance or feeling like if you can shut people off from their growth. My last boyfriend too, like I was on sets and I remember very early on, and this was a big thing for me in all these guys have been big supporters of me in my work and everything I do, seeing me in my work though, seeing me coach other men, seeing me on set with guys was a very different thing. In theory, they were my biggest supporters. In action, very afraid. And so every time with every guy that if my life ever became about, it was kind of like, I put it on entertainment. It had a lot to do with being on set with other guys. They were fearful because now suddenly my, it's, People are worried that if someone else captures my attention for six hours, for 16 hours, that my love is gonna pour into them. And unfortunately, it's like I'm curious by everyone. I'm fascinated by most people that come across me. I have love to give everyone, really. But I'm the most loyal person. Yeah. And I wish that
1: people could hold both of those things as true Mm -hmm. and not in conflict. That is so tough. I mean that intimidation factor in a relationship is so huge and I think it is really sad to have someone I mean I don't say sad in a judgmental way because like no one knows how they're going to react to a situation until they're in it but I imagine for you it's really frustrating to have someone really be your fan and be supportive of you in theory but then not be able to like execute that support when it actually comes down to it
0: now I've been single longer than I've ever been in my life and, you know, a big part of my work and my future work, I hope, has to do with men. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that, like, that's a big calling of mine to sit and have intimate relationships that aren't sexual with men. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I just can't even fathom at this point how I would trade that in for someone. And I I hope that, and it has to be, that the, the man that I'm mm-hmm. with celebrates that that's Mm -hmm. who I am and I choose them. That's so much more exciting to me is that someone has opportunities, but they choose
1: you. Literally, it's like you don't want someone who's with you because they have no options and they have no confidence in themselves. That's not sexy. That's not like the kind of partner that you want as an equal.
0: But it's safe. And a lot of people, when they get married or they're choosing in that direction, they're choosing it for safety. It's like, hey, Chelsea- the fun time is over. You know, it's like <laughs> now at this nightmare. point, it's like, it's it's weird. It's like, I, I do think that I can get pigeonholed into this like, oh, she's fun. She's the fun girl with everyone. And it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. it's so much deeper and it's so much more universal. And it's so, and it also, it's like so much more spiritual than that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. So you mentioned being single for longer than you ever have been. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that's a pretty intentional decision. So Mm -hmm. would you say that that was kind of because you were like, I'm actively taking a break from dating and being in relationships, or is it more the fact that you're just a little pickier maybe about like the type of relationships you'll enter into, or maybe it's a combination of both?
0: Yeah, definitely a combination of both. I mean, when it started, it was that I was a serial monogamist and I would always say I'm not a dater or like I'm the best dater. Like the moment <laughs> I I go on a date with someone high. that I'm interested, in, yes, immediately. It was always easy for me. And I, mm-hmm. by the way, I've heard a lot of women say this as they get later into their thirties that like back in the day, it was so much easier to get in, involved and, and get into a relationship. Mm-hmm. For me, after I went through all of my twenties, Into my 30s and relationships. When I left the man that I was really in love with, like I really loved him, I didn't think that his life was right for me. I couldn't give up my life, seeing what New York would offer me, seeing just this whole vision and go to where he was, which was in a small town in Louisiana, even though I loved him and his kids. I knew that. Getting into a relationship was going to be a question of whether love was enough. And I was, mm-hmm. I was nervous for myself of what that would expose about me. And what I found at the end was, hey, some people might not really like me. Like I chose my life over love. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, though, leaving love, not waiting until I'd fallen out of love with him when I was angry or resentful was totally different. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was going to be a transition and it would take longer, that it wasn't going to be reactive going to the next person. Like my mm-hmm. body, even for a while, it felt like it was cheating on him. Mm-hmm. And I chose oh, wow. to leave him because I wanted to lead my own life. These were the first time I thought I'm starting to get myself back because mm-hmm. I'd really lost myself. So when I did that, I flung myself into another world of podcasting, coaching, being on set, going from being anonymous in New York to feeling a members club where people recognize me when I show up in places and and just the banter that I was feeding off of, hey, I want to break away from men in romantic relationships with men. So I realized how to have intimate conversations with people that are not just one person in a romantic relationship. And also that like, where I'm not getting validated sexually, like I'm not getting validated through sex. And so that was a big intention of mine. And that went a long time. I mean, time passed quickly, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. And being on set, there was no such thing as dating. It was so difficult. So when The pandemic happened, I was suddenly free of everything I had been doing before. And that's when I'd had my first Bumble date two days before the pandemic. And it was, by the way, it was like, it's crazy about about how things happen. That Bumble date, he ended up opening up to me about his dad passing away. And he showed me these pictures and I started crying. I started getting very emotional because losing my dad is is the thing that will like trigger me into tears instantly. Yeah. And he really allowed it. I always say like how a man responds to you when you cry suggests mm. so much. And he came back home with me, and a friend was here, and we didn't sleep together. But it was it was like very gentle the whole experience. And then the mm. next day, he asked if I would go to a grocery store and get stuff because of the pandemic. And then I got to meet his mom the next day. And it was just oh my like, Oh Yeah, no, it was crazy. Like for a first date, Bumble yeah. app date, people were like, Oh my God, you got a second date and you're meeting the mom? <laughs> like, how is this possible?
1: Yeah. So Great ad for I, Bumble.
0: Yeah. And it just, it encouraged me. It was a green light. I've always needed this. My life will be a, nothing but red lights for a long time. And then I'll get a green light. And that green light changes everything. And yeah, that's when I got into dating again. But it, I went back and I was like, okay, I haven't had sex in so long. How can mm-hmm. I just bring my body back alive and, and feel like uh. maybe casual sex can still be intentional mm-hmm. and it can still be elevating and it can still be something that feels present. And so that was a journey. Yeah. And through all of this, yeah, I mean, intention has been everything. And I think the standards have started to spike though. <laughs> it's kind of challenging. I, I want to have a different relationship that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people I meet that it's like, God, I would have said yes to that in my past. I would have Mm -hmm. said yes to that for two years. I would have. Those are the people I love. That's what I loved being in. And I can't say yes to that anymore. And that's a different sort of heartbreak. That's -hmm. what I've been realizing.
1: I guess, you know, I have heard you mention breaking your own heart as Mm -hmm a theme of heartbreak and is that kind of what you're referring to like when you are maybe closing yourself off to a relationship and you know it's the best decision for you at the time but it still hurts even though you're confident that it's the right choice
0: to me that's like more of honoring your heart breaking Mm -hmm. your heart is is more of staying Mm -hmm. when you hear that Mm -hmm you got to be more fearless in this. You got to be brave. Like, you know, it's like, it's all a breaking your own heart is like not listening to yourself. Mm. But yeah, there's a certain sense too of like, you know, there's a real like confrontation of sitting with yourself and being like, I'm saying no to something that I used to say yes to. And there's a heartbreak of like outgrowing yourself. I'm no longer like letting myself choose like I used to. And how I used to choose was a big part of my identity. It was a big part of like the things that happened in my life. And so that's what most people worry about. It, it's the unknown now. Mm-hmm. And in the unknown, you know, sometimes you're alone longer. Sometimes love happens quicker and lasts shorter. Mm-hmm. It's not that I can't fall. Like it's that I can't stay like I used to. Mm-hmm. So it's like things happen faster and it's more extreme in a sense. So.
1: Yeah, it is interesting how as your standards raise, it does really make it harder to find somebody. But I think that's a good thing because I think the worst case scenario is like you find someone, you stay with them and then later you're questioning like, wait, was this the right decision for me? Because you've never really taken the time to go through that self-growth, go through that deep reflection, and then you're regretful after you've kind of built this life with a person versus, you know, like yeah. having these short things that you realize are not right for you before you get too entangled.
0: I think that the most heartbreaking thing that you can inflict on yourself, ultimately it can be very like a harsh experience, but also to someone else is like dishonesty sometimes a lot of relationships become dishonest. Really not being honest about after the last person you dated and, or just time alone, what you know that like you need and desire next. Like, And we throw our mind and we let love dumb us down, mainly out of fear. Mm-hmm. And I listen to a lot of people. And I think that it's a blur. The person that's in front of them—it doesn't even matter like who it is. It just is like they want them so badly. It's immediately like that they're the one, or they need to be, or, and it just is like that's dishonest. Yeah. Like it's dishonest. Like why are you choosing them? Why are they specifically good for your evolution? I, I say to people like, don't look for like the next person that you can love. Look for the next person you can learn from. Like start there.
1: Yeah. Not to divert to this topic, but it just reminded me of, like, I recently finished watching The Ultimatum. One of the girls, Ray, she gave her partner this ultimatum. She wanted Mm -hmm. him to propose. One of the producers is Mm -hmm. like, why do you want to spend the rest of your life with Zay? And she's like, can I come back to that question? And it's like, how crazy is that for you to say... I don't know, I can't vocalize why I want to marry this person, but I want it so badly that I'm gonna pose an ultimatum to them so that we can get engaged anyway.
0: Oh my god. I mean I've been in the middle of this. I so often feel like the other woman or like the third person usually for a couple. And you know, I have a couple that I'm close to and, and it took her providing an ultimatum for him to propose, and him and I went out, you know, a few times alone before that happened and I'll just say that the work wasn't done before the proposal, like the mm-hmm. the real deep conversations and I've spoke to them after and the things that they're not asking each other is, is alarming. It's exactly the things that I see show up in, a, in my coaching practice of like why people end up having to leave each other. Mm-hmm. And it's mind boggling. And this is something I think like we appreciate good questions and it's amazing the questions that are avoided. And this is something that really harmed me in my recent dating life. Was trying to like, for the first time, like incorporate advice from other females. To be honest, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was like, be cool, like let the guy lead. Like ultimately, what pushes men away from choosing you is that you have too much of a perspective or a voice. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of this, and it, it it shocks me. But I kind of fell for it, and. The people that I see doing the ultimatums and and getting engaged, but still like nothing is fixed are people that were doing that. People Mm -hmm. that were taking a back seat and the person was dragging their feet because it's like really not a good mix of two people. Like it's not Mm -hmm. really speaking to like their soul and something that they're comfortable with. It's just, I mean, honestly, it's a disaster.
1: (laughs) Truly a disaster. But
0: people panic. They think that like, listen, it's such a big thing that their life can't start until this thing isn't you know this person is in their life or
1: yeah it's really sad and I feel like that's been really normalized in just like media depictions of long-term relationships and like one thing that comes to mind is like everybody loves Raymond and like I've never really watched the show but I've always hated the idea of it because I just feel like it depicts this marriage where I'm like do you guys even like each other? Like it just depicts the woman as like a nag and the guy is maybe someone who married her because there was an ultimatum and they were just like, well, we've been together for this number of years. So this is the next step. Uh, and it's so awful to imagine that I've kind of never,
0: life. I've never watched that show. I need to watch these shows so I know the references. But mm-hmm. I mean, the nag is the biggest thing. And also like my mom wasn't a nag. She wasn't a nag, but her relationship with my dad really is probably the push behind all of the work I do. My twin mm-hmm. sister does in mm-hmm. her own therapy world. And I will say, and of course, it's a heartbreaking thing to admit, but I think this is an issue of a lot of women that they're trying to break out of is like they didn't choose correctly mm-hmm. for themselves. Mm-hmm. They chose someone that could protect them, that could offer them a life that they hadn't had, a stability Mm -hmm. that they hadn't had, and a father that they hadn't had, Mm -hmm. a a male figure that they hadn't had. And and just, it goes down the line. There's so many things, and it's innocent in many ways, and it's how things were set up back then, that someone does this and the other person does that. But I will say, and I've struggled to admit this, and it's really something that I'm doing now is because we spoke about it even is that like I was always terrified of divorce Mm -hmm. and having the podcast um, was something that really warmed me up and having the advice column to like, hey, divorce could be really for a good reason. Yeah. But the impact that it does to children witnessing and living inside of a dynamic that feels just even feels tense. I mean, I swear Mm -hmm. to God, even just tense. And realizing, like, these people talk about their relationships feeling like on Walking on Eggs. So a couple talks about that. But what about the kids? Living yeah. your every waking moment, fighting, wanting so badly for one day for, like, your mom to look at your dad differently. And we're all, I've realized that as kids, we're witnessing what is someone's allowing for, or how their life slips out of their own control, or how they resent someone, what that does, and how someone has to like show up in the place. It's a mess. And that's what kids witness for the first time. And it's just like, so many people have gotten divorced. I feel like there's less intention than ever. It's like, wake up. People are hurt by this. The stories we see are the stories Mm -hmm. we tell, or the stories we enact, the stories Mm -hmm. we project on people. It's like, I just think we all have to like take that into account. People need to care more with how they're choosing and realizing it's not just about you. It's how it trickles out. Relationships create an environment. Mm -hmm. They create a frequency within our body. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're anxious within a relationship, you'll turn to mind-numbing things. It's a prison. It's a prison. So.
1: Yeah. It's really deep. And I feel like, you know, having- had parents who went through a divorce like we talked about this on your podcast and i think once my parents did eventually get divorced i was able to see yes this is better because of what you're saying it was like there was just tension it was clear that it wasn't like the right connection and so rather than kind of like live through that every day it was better to have them separated And I do still admittedly fear the idea of getting divorced, but I don't think it's because I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine being alone. It's just, is it better to just never get married in the first place rather than like marry this person, think that they're your soulmate and then have that ripped away from you? You know, it's like, it's a lot to contemplate. And I can see the argument of maybe if you were happy at one point, maybe it's better to experience that even if it's for a few years and you get divorced rather than to not experience it at all. But I guess it's, you can't really answer that until it's happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that probably like the, the case of like not experiencing something is you're afraid of it getting ripped away is already starting off with, you know, it's a fear, like fear is driving that choice rather than really believing that, Hey, I will be Okay if i come out and i'm single if i'm in a place where i have to choose to leave i trust that like i'm going to be coming from an empowered and loving place and mm. i also think like god it'd be so different if we could believe that if we got divorced that we could still cherish each other that we could still look back fondly like i think that what we're afraid of is that We would lose someone and we would have to hate them in life, that they would be Mm -hmm. closed off to us or that we wouldn't be able to come back from someone choosing to love someone other than us. That was such a Mm. big thing when I realized that like here I was breaking up with someone I still loved and I was giving us permission in so many ways to choose to love someone else. I had to be okay with that. I think that like, that's where society is kind of having to go is that as things are maybe more short lived at times, or people have an argument for exploring another phase is like, how do we still love and and, and cherish what we had along the way Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and learn to be accepting of it?
1: Yeah. And- Giving the permission to love someone else, I think is really huge because to your point, it is one thing to break up with somebody, but it's a whole other thing to see this other person in their life and like to not immediately think, well, why them instead of me? And I recall like one breakup that I went through where it wasn't a healthy reaction to the breakup in general, even before I started dating somebody else, you know, it was definitely very dramatic and more drawn out than it needed to be. But I think once I made it clear that I was starting to see someone else, that's when like this other person spiraled a little bit more, you know, and it Mm -hmm. was, I mean, I won't get into all of it here. So as not to put them on blast too much, but yeah, it was just clearly, I think that was a trigger for them is like the idea of me moving on quickly. And I understand the sensitivity, like you think, Oh, did this person care about me at all? But just because someone moves on, doesn't mean that your relationship yeah, I mean, meant less to them.
0: There's another way of looking at it because I I went through this whole thing where every guy after we broke up, they moved on just like that. They weren't that way before they met me. And then right mm. after me, it's like they're suddenly with someone. And I remember thinking, I mean, I don't remember the exact line that was in my head mm. then, but it was something like, I must've really inspired love in them. They had to go have it. They couldn't be without it. That mm. was one thing and I... I think that I think there was an opening. They wanted more love. And from my clients that are are men, they want more love. They want to do a better job. It's not that they had a lack of love. They have so much love that they still want to give or Mm -hmm. wanted to have given. And they need, they want to give to someone else.
1: No, that's really interesting. And I love that you brought up your findings from your male clients, because I definitely Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of talk to you about some of the differences between your male and female clients. And so in this case, like I was the one to end this relationship and then I was the one to move on relatively quickly, but there were a lot of extenuating circumstances, you know, like I'd been thinking about the breakup for a while. This was someone who I had a history with. So that's like its own scenario. But what I found, and I'm going to, you know, preface this by saying it's a sweeping generalization, obviously not based on painting everyone with the same brush. But I think sometimes if you look at breakups, females, maybe because of how we're conditioned, We might have a harder time off the bat. We might be more in our feelings and more reflective about it. And so it manifests itself as you're kind of going through the trenches up front. But then once you work through it, it's like you've worked through it. I think sometimes with men, you know, they can be a little more reactive and not as reflective. And again, that's a generalization. Like there are definitely men who are more in touch with their feelings and might be more reflective, might be in therapy and talking through these things. But I think if they're not, they might seem like they're okay in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. then after things kind of settle in, then they realize that, you know, I didn't process this. I'm not quite over it. And I think that's where the trope of like men always come back comes from. Mm -hmm. Have you found any truth to that or have you found differences in your clients? Maybe also because they are the type to seek help, so they probably approach things a little more thoughtfully.
0: Yeah, it's definitely different since like these, I have to just be aware of the fact like, wow, these are really people that are not just seeking help, but paying for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just be straight up. These are generalizations. Are people that are coming to me? These are people that have gravitated toward me in life and and as clients. But and they're the stories that I receive in life. But I would say that the women that have come to me, the difference in the emotion is that women are coming to me with a ton of anger.
1: Mm.
0: I've never experienced that with men. Oh, and there seems to be a Now, not everyone, like I had a male client that didn't know who he was at all after his relationship, but I I found that with women, it's more of a question of like their identity. It's like, Mm -hmm. they lose a guy, they lose everything. It just like going through the dark, not knowing how they will like make one step toward their future. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so much more daunting. I think it's so much more hysterical. I think it's so much more chaotic. I think it's so much more unmanageable. The feelings and the things that like you can feel like you're up against as a woman and yeah what the rejection means with the men that have come to me I think they've all felt and this is different women are coming to me feeling guilty are not you said they're not feeling guilty they're feeling unworthy they're mm-hmm. feeling betrayed by something that's not guilt yeah. a lot of the men that come to me it's like guilt really tapping into, like, they did something wrong. They weren't man enough. Mm. They could have done something that, like, would have had her feel differently. Also, the men that come to me, they were left, you know? So it's a little, like, Mm, yeah. the women that want to break up with the guys, it's different. But the men that are coming and they're trying to, like, still hopeful about having a woman back, it just, it's a sensitivity and, like, hey, guys are, like, they're so action-oriented. Give me mm-hmm. a game plan. Mm-hmm. How do I have this conversation? What can I say to her that might help? It's all of that. It's so much more. Help me put this into practice. Mm-hmm. If we can connect, and the guy feels like I feel them, and I'm getting where they're coming from, and I speak on their level, then it's like, all right, Chelsea. Now be the coach. Tell me how it's done. And I trust you. And that sounds right. I'm going to talk to her, and I'll tell you how it goes. And it's just like we're off to the races. They're mm-hmm. still hurt. They're still sensitive. Their their heart is in it, but there's resolve. Mm-hmm. With women, I think it takes a lot longer because we're trying to build back up their own individual identity mm-hmm. and their whole, I think, concept of the future, which I don't see men having to deal with as much. Like they didn't just lose their whole life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's what I see.
1: That's so fascinating. And I guess I would love to hear, it sounds like a lot of the men that you're describing, these are people who have been broken up with. What is your ratio of people who come to you after a breakup who were the ones to do the breaking up versus the ones who were broken up with?
0: Overwhelmingly. And it's funny because I think like, you know, when anyone hears breakup coach, I remember from the beginning people are being like, oh my God, that's like so harsh or like... Mm -hmm you know, on dating apps, people will see it. And their thought is that I'm teaching everyone how to get rid of each other. And that's what I thought too. Like, I mean, I was, Mm -hmm. when I started, it was kind of like, how can I help people let go sooner? So they're not, as I've said, Mm -hmm. breaking their own heart. Yeah, I felt like the other person was always just my world back in the day. (laughs) I found that like the majority of women that will come to me, but I have more men than women. The women that will come to me will be in the midst of a relationship that they want to end, or they'll want help of like trying to preserve it, their last ditch effort before, really before they're broken up with and left. Like they can say Mm -hmm. it's to leave someone, but at the end of the day, it's like really trying to have to work with them to like, you know, believe in yourself, like listen to yourself. And- there's that, but like the, the majority of my clients are men that I've been broken up with. And I think it's just a process of, you know, people at the end, when everything is silent and they're left alone, they turn to their computers and they're Googling. They start looking for answers. I always underestimated it. I learned it when I had the advice column. I've learned it by having the podcast and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you experience this of having people type in just heartbreak mm-hmm. and they're searching for someone. And that searching is intensified when you're alone and without a relationship, not Mm -hmm. so much when you're in it. And so people have needed me and chosen to work with me afterwards.
1: Yeah. And it is really powerful to be able to be there for people in such a vulnerable Mm -hmm. time. It's interesting that you used the adjective guilty to describe how men Mm -hmm. felt after their relationships ended. Because... I have felt guilty after a breakup, but it was again, that same breakup where I ended things and then started a relationship right afterwards. So I've always kind of associated guilt with when you're the person to end things. And I actually, Mm. after going through that experience, finally felt like people who end relationships don't get as much empathy as I think they should. Because it's like so easy to sympathize with the person who didn't want the relationship to end in a single involuntarily, but like, unless someone does something awful to you, it is actually very hard to come to terms with ending a relationship because you can be like, am I making a mistake? Like this person hadn't done anything wrong. Am I going to look back and regret this? And then moving on quickly, I was like, am I a monster? So it was a lot.
0: So big. I love that you say that. I love like, because I don't think that there's, I don't think there's anything written about this. I remember I wrote an essay about it. I'm like, people, they don't even think that you have feelings. They're like, get over it. You chose this. What do Mm -hmm. you mean that it's hurting you? Look how you hurt someone. It's like, wait a second. A lot of people, sometimes people that break up, like they both saw what needed to be done, but the person that was breaking up, like you're doing something for the other person. Maybe you realize that like you couldn't give them something instead of putting them through more pain, you actually ripped off the band-aid faster to release them, to free them of something that was going to hurt them more. And so it's like, not only are people that break up, like not celebrated at all for the courage, but also people never think about people that are breaking up that actually loved that person and roots Mm -hmm. for that person and wanted another night with that person. But knew that it's so easy to stay and to lie to people that there's a Mm -hmm. future when it's not going to be there in a way that Mm -hmm. makes two people happy Mm -hmm. and fulfilled ultimately.
1: Yeah. And it's like the actual cowardly version is like the people who know like, oh, I don't really love this person. I don't want to end up with them, but they like the comfort of the relationship. And then they're driven eventually to emotionally cheat, to physically cheat because they're not getting that fulfillment when they could have ended it, but just didn't have the courage or like the selflessness to do it
0: or even in dating it's like even the courage to say what your real intentions are or you mm-hmm. said hey you know i realized after you know dating for two and a half months or something that I really want more time with you, but I don't see myself taking you into my future because of X, Y, instead of saying that, people just stay quiet. They just get more of what they want. They start to check out in different ways. And it's so cruel. There's so many people that show up with actions and everyone's like, pay attention to the actions, but then they don't do other things or they don't say certain things, which is an action. And it's it's harmful. The confusion Mm -hmm. between someone showing up in a certain way, but they're not doing this, that disjointedness, it affects and harms a lot of people because people can't be honest about what their intentions really are. You know, I always say it's like, don't talk about what you want in a relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. Talk about what you're ready for. Two very different things. Oh my God, like, yes, don't yes. tell me what you want in our future and how you want to be intrigued and the life you want to have. Just talk to me right now about what you're ready for. That's cool. That's yes. where we're at.
1: Oh my gosh. That is huge because I feel like it's so easy for people to future trip and be like, yeah, this would be really great one day. And then all of a sudden, I mean, this is speaking from experience. Like you're on six dates with someone and then they're like, yeah, I just got out of a relationship. So I'm not ready to date anyone seriously. And it's like, that's fine. But maybe just like be like more forthcoming with that.
0: Or you know what? It's like having the bravery though. You know, we've seen the value about talking about heartbreak and the things that haven't lasted or worked, or the things that have shaped us. Now, Mm. a lot of my clients are so fucking scared about referencing their ex that they're paying me to get over with someone new. (laughs) Because now I've been like taking people from breakups to dating, and it's like terrified of ever referencing it. And it's like, Mm. wait a second, you could be so much closer to people. Your intentions could be so much clearer if you got rid of the act of looking like you're the perfect catch right now mm-hmm. with no vulnerabilities. Because of dating apps, it's like a lot of people won't heal, they'll get back into dating. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's a whole like hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you could just express with someone on a date, the hurt you're in. And if we gave people permission to be human and we try to connect with them being human, not being the one for us, mm-hmm. we might find that we're all more honest and we're all more loving and compassionate and connected on our dates
1: yeah yeah and it's like it's not about pretending you don't have baggage it's just about addressing that baggage and to your earlier point breaking up words from that and mm-hmm. like just growing from the experience rather than just shoveling it away somewhere
0: I think that like not acting like a victim of your life and and looking like someone that has put themselves out there and experienced things and felt things and seeks to understand things, I think it's supremely sexy. Mm -hmm. And I think that people actually choose to go on more dates with people that are radically honest about themselves because Mm -hmm. people feel like this is so refreshing. These people are so safe and then you never know. I think it's really sexy to be like, oh shit, that was just, there was no agenda to that. There was no agenda just other than like this person can connect because they Mm -hmm. accept themselves.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it's obviously easier to be the former version where you're like, I'm not going to talk about this. But you get a lot of intel from how someone talks about their past relationships. Mm -hmm. But I'd love your professional opinion on how do you find that border of sharing and being Mm. open versus like kind of trauma dumping a little too early. And like, I've asked this question to previous people on the podcast where it's like, okay, well, would you prefer someone brings up their ex on the first date? Or you realize that you're like three months in and you've never even heard anything about their ex? Because I think those show different extremes of like one person who might be a little too engaged with like the idea of their ex and like still processing that relationship versus someone who is hiding that aspect of themselves.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've also experienced it in both ways, like not just coming at it as a coach, but like also being someone that coaches being on dates myself. And again, knowing that guys know that about me. So like they'll bring it up easily. Mm-hmm. And I think it's different. I think that like there are ways that I can ask a question that would make sense that someone might bring up who they've been with. Mm-hmm. And if that's not the case and someone is just bringing it up on their own, I think that like there can be pause with that. I think it's mm-hmm. one thing if like if it's asked of you, like if there's a if, if there's a way of introducing it because you've been asked a question. And so someone's like, "Yeah, I want to answer this honestly. Like what have I been mm-hmm. doing the last yeah. year?" Like, "Oh, yeah. I actually just moved out." From my girlfriend's place or like during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, you know, this or that. And that's a way of, you know, disclosing things. Mm -hmm. I think that like, if someone for three months has never brought up a relationship, I think you have to ask yourself like, but why couldn't I go there with them on my own? Why am I waiting for them to acknowledge it? I've been someone that would rather, when I'm feeling like centered with myself, I'm not that curious about their relationship with other women. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm yeah. curious just about how they're present with me and creating an environment even for me to talk as a woman rather than what mm-hmm. they have to say about women yet mm-hmm. and then I do think that it's very telling, very telling I mean it's one of the smartest things you could do though is like to figure out how someone saw their last relationship it yeah. really it's one of the biggest informers for how. They could go on to treat you. Mm -hmm. And I think that becomes it's like if something, like if someone shares something about an ex that you're like, wow, you seem pretty resentful or caught up, like I would lead with more curiosity Mm -hmm. and say something about it. Dating, I mean, like, listen, like a big one now is like dating people that have kids Mm -hmm. or like dating, you know, because like there's an ex involved. And so, like, really looking at those relationships and saying, where are they at with it? And hey, it seems like you're still processing things with an ex of yours. How available do you really think that you are for someone? Or you know what? Lead with your own vulnerability. I would say if I was in a situation like that and I heard someone talking about an ex, I would say, you know, like after my last relationship, it really took me a long time to put myself really in a position to be with someone. And I remember going into situations and always thinking about my ex or feeling like I just, I was almost cheating on them. I would overshare to a point that they Mm -hmm. then felt, that they could either match it or just go a bit below it. Yeah. And that, again, it's like podcasting has taught me so much. It has changed my dating life. Because if you lead with your own vulnerability, your own self-disclosure, your own omission, someone knows that like, okay, this is seen as enough. I don't have yeah. to go as far as they did, but I can get into the vicinity of it. So I would really recommend that.
1: Yeah. I also just have to say that's very validating to hear because on your podcast, I know we talked about the fact that like I always have my mom in the back of my head when I'm recording because she's a very private person just by nature. You know, that's how her family was. That's how she grew up. And so a lot of times her question is like, why do you have to share any details about yourself? when your listeners know enough about you and like you are interviewing the guest. And I really do Mm -hmm. feel like it helps to create a safe space, at least to empathize with somebody. Like it's not really about making it about you. It's more just kind of being like, yeah, you know, I'm not here grilling you about your own personal life without sharing anything about mine and like helping to normalize the fact that yes, that's something that I can relate to as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've gotten a lot of feedback about this recently, just in the midst of conversation with people that I've had on. And as I've been going through what feels like just so much more sensitivity, like I'm really in my feelings, like I felt it's like been out of design and necessity that I've needed to be more honest with my guests. Mm -hmm. And while that might be a different experience for the listener, I know that for the guest, they'll thank me so much for sharing. And they will say like, I didn't expect that. I told you that I've opened up my hinge to bringing people on. And so I think a part of them was like this idea that like, oh, I was just getting guys and exploiting their stories. So they came on thinking that like, it's just going to be me grilling them. Mm-hmm. or just like putting a light on them. And it's like, whoa, 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 it's not about that. Like, that's not a good experience necessarily for anyone. It's, you don't remember those experiences when you just felt like there was like a spotlight and like you were get clammed up. It's mm-hmm. like, you want to feel that like, oh, wait a second, they were really interested. They're allowing me to know them as well. And it's about both of us. That's why we're sharing because we both can.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, the whole grilling experience, that's going to cause somebody to be defensive. And so that just changes the whole tone of the conversation. And to your point, it's not memorable or enjoyable. So yeah, that's really important.
0: You've been different. I mean, because I've, you know, it's something like I have to consider when I go on podcasts too, like what has the experience been? Mm -hmm. And- I would definitely say that you've been a different host and there's been so much more that's been pulled out of it because of it. Like you're right here, like you're listening, like you're in it, you know, and you can feel that. And so when someone's doing that, it just feels like you're kind of exploring something together. Even if it's just, even if I'm just talking more, it seems like like I'm exploring it with you.
1: Oh, well, I'm really glad that I've been able to like create that environment and like that feeling for you. That's always my goal. I love that. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to go back to something that you talked about earlier. And first, just thank you for opening up about the fact that you struggled with an eating disorder earlier on in your life and just kind of alluding to how that impacted your dating. And, you know, I feel like it must be really difficult to kind of like go through this trauma with somebody and then to your point, feel empowered after the fact in like going through that Solo. And also on your podcast, I know that you've talked about the fact that you had long distance relationships at times mm. when you had moved to a new city. So not comparing the two, but I think it's kind of a similar scenario in which you're like, okay, well, I'm going through this change together, or I'm going through this like life struggle with someone. Mm. So I would love to hear mm. what was that experience like, and how did you kind of take a step back after those relationships ended and feel empowered in going through new experiences or challenges when you were single. So like after being in a long distance? Yeah. And I guess like some key context, which of course I've heard from your podcast, but my listeners wouldn't be as aware of is like, I know you said that you really kind of relied on these people in some instances versus fully embracing the new experience on your own and branching mm. out as much as like you might present day.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that like one, like long distance relationships are knocked. everyone does it. It's like they discount them really easily. Like people don't understand them. They would never do them. And yet I really wanted to like honor how this happened to me. Like how in the world when I have for so much of my life, like feared being alone, like how did I allow myself to be in long distance? Like, how was I in the greatest cities in the world and not just like dating? And like, I love men and I, like, how did it happen? And I think that like, in one sense, like, yeah, it was a safety net. Like, I thought it was going to give me something that it didn't because I wasn't something yet though. Like, this is not just like every long distance relationship does this, but like, I thought that when I moved to a new place and I got there... And then somehow life design like introduced me to someone that was long distance, usually through my work, you know, like an axe wrote into my advice
1: column. Mm, wow. And
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was like the universe. And I think in a way it really was. I wouldn't make the same decisions every time now, but I thought that, like, oh, a relationship of conversation, the conversation is gonna keep me like tapped into who I am. It's going to keep me vocal. It's going to keep me expressive. And just the idea that love powers me up and it's got, I got someone on my side and I got someone that's intimate with me. It's going to give me the courage to step out into a world where I know no one and just put myself out there. And I didn't because I was also like dealing, I guess, with like jealous guys too, or, you know, so like that's, one way that it it didn't work. It was hard. The transition from long distance, the way that I was doing it in my life until the world that I was left with was totally different. Like I went from this bubble of intimacy where someone was calling me every day and it was so much about the emotions I felt like and a lot of validation beyond the physical. I felt like a lot of the men accepted me in so many ways, even though like I was hurting in those relationships too. I really felt like they didn't shame me for where I was in my life. I feel like they accepted me, even though they didn't see me in my life every day. And then I went into this world where I didn't have anything. I hadn't been developing the relationships. I didn't have all the friends that were on standby waiting for me. I was terrified of that. Like, where am I going to get the love? Where am I mm-hmm. going to keep expressing this? And I just learned that the long distance showed me that I fell for people when I spoke to them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been doing all along. It wasn't just to put someone on my couch and to waste the time together and you know, do things, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Like I'm, I'm also been lacking that in my life, but this was something different. It was something else that my soul like needed. And I just learned that when I lost the relationships, like what I should have done all along and what I've done now is I connect with people everywhere I go. And I, I I'm single now. And so what do I do in my life? Like, you know, this weekend, it's like, I, I didn't have these dates. I am, Didn't have groups of friends I was going out with. You know, I've been kind of coming out of a dark tunnel myself and I'm like breaking through the light again. I'm not feeling like at my most confident that I have. Like sometimes it's like this manic confidence. I'm not feeling that. To me, it's about like being totally present to where I am. And I do that all along in my days. When I show up in the world and I'm talking to anyone, I'm immersed in them. And so, like, one of my mottos on my hinge, which I really live by, and it changed my life. And I, I remember thinking of this when I became single after that relationship ended. It was like, talk to everyone in a way that if you were to hug them after, it wouldn't feel unnatural or unwarranted. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that changed. Like, long distance was all about talking to people in a way, the boyfriends in a way that we feel embraced by each other when we can not mm-hmm. embrace each other. And in absence of, a romantic person yet. I also didn't want to limit it to that. And so now in my interactions, I try to go into something as if someone's already my friend. Mm. I don't make anyone have to earn that.
1: Yeah, no, I really like that approach. And I think that's just a good approach for dating overall is approaching people like they're your friend. And I listened to this dating podcaster who gives a lot of tips on how to establish banter with somebody. And she doesn't phrase it that way, but that's essentially what the philosophy is that she holds is like, rather than being all formal, like you can start out being a little more lighthearted and joking with somebody and like just making the conversations more personal, because I feel like a lot of what contributes to dating burnout and just feeling like you're talking to the same people over and over again is like the how was your weekend? What are you looking you for on the you app? You can't. Like you're a robot.
0: <laughs> you can't ask those questions. Those are irrelevant. Like I have no interest in those answers. I no. I, I have no, people are like, oh, we talk about where they went. To, who cares what they went to school? You didn't go to school there. Why would you care where they went to school? I, I don't yeah. even understand any of it. <laughs> and it's like, tailor everything that you ask to the person that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Listen to what they're saying and go off of that thing. Yeah. And like, it just that's how there's no burnout because there's constant fascination. And I've learned how to be interested in the people. And by the way, it's like, if you want to be interesting to people, you have to be interested in people. Mm-hmm. No one's doing that anymore. Everyone just sits with people. and am like, oh, I have to look interesting. So they never come across as interested. <sighs> oh my
1: interested. God. Yes. Like, I feel like a lot of times you can go on a date and feel like somebody is reading off a brag sheet about themselves. It's like, that is so exhausting and crazy.
0: But it's hysterical when, because I've done this with guys. And I I remember the last guy I was into, the first thing he said to me, actually, was like, within minutes of sitting with you, I realized all the things I usually say wasn't going to work with you. Should have been, I mean, should just been a red flag where I exited and realized, (laughs) okay, like, I mean, if he's been a certain way, like, stop playing, (laughs) you're going to be the exception. Mm -hmm. But it was like, I think the best thing is when you disarm a guy to the point that he realizes, like, oh my God, all the bravado, because that's a lot of pressure for a guy. Just Mm -hmm. like it's a lot of pressure for a woman to always be showing up in like these heels. I can't believe women (laughs) feel like they always have to be wearing heels.
1: Oh my God. It's like, I mean, I really think about pre pandemic me. And I'm like, how are you wearing like tight skirts and heels to work all day and like driving an hour each way in that outfit? It's crazy. I mean, and then going on dates after work and like continuing that energy.
0: I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an amazing energy to have. I thought that too, like even when I showed back up on set and I was like, wow, like I really had to become someone else in order to embrace this with a really optimistic light and to like not be burnt out by it. It's amazing what we're seeing that we had to become who we had to become. And, and listen, I think it's great for seasons of our lives, you know, in a certain season of our lives, like we were wearing the heels and like we looked <laughs> the whole part, and we showed up with this like stature and everything. But then there's other times where it's like, what would it feel like? Even what would come out of the experience of just dropping it down a little bit in one regard, or just kind of showing up and and being more mellow, or just like for me, it's really hard like being less on. And I think that like long distance allows me to be less on in a way that really encourages like really my growth and also being seen accurately accurately mm-hmm. by
1: people yeah so I guess given that you've had all these experiences of long distance relationships what is your attitude towards long distance relationships for your future partners like are you open to it or is it something where you're like I've explored that and like maybe don't want that for my next relationship even if it presented itself
0: mm so fucked up I wish I like you know there's been these times I'm like I'm like never again and I just still think about it as because I've I've had some really smart people come on my podcast and like call me out and they have pivoted my life but still deep in my soul there's a part of me that's like no I'm listening to myself and so I think that there's a part of me that like I would never entertain if I'm with myself right now I would never entertain a long distance relationship with someone ever again in a place where I would never move. Mm-hmm. And I've told them all along I'm not moving to these places mm-hmm. and they thought I would love them enough to do it. They didn't tell me that but they all told me at the end. I won't yeah. even do that now. Like if if yeah. I won't move there but there's a part of me there's an element mm-hmm. where I could see that I like might live in LA mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be realistic like if you're in a place and you realistically think that like maybe the time here will have to end or like I won't be able to like meet someone or I really just want to open up the playing field a little bit for myself because I'm looking for a certain love. Like if you could move anywhere, be open to everything. But if you can't, there's one other place you could be open to and you're looking for a certain type of connection and that's important to you and you feel like that's what you're after. It's not just a relationship. It's like someone. I feel like I really know what I'm looking for, like, mm-hmm. and I'm not looking just for the next person that will say yes to me so I can have a family. Yeah. I still, like, I want more and I I do want a family and I want more of that committed relationship. But after the people I've dated and tried to explore in New York and been open to, it's like, I need someone that really sees me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if that person might exist in LA and that's going to be a long distance... I'll be open to it, but in a way that I wasn't before maybe. And that means maybe holding back a bit, going a bit slower, being more patient, using long distance in the beginning to like, yeah, be interested, but don't cut off yourself from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. How can you show up with interest in someone without attachment yet? Long distance gives us opportunity to like really put into practice of, do I truly have independence? Can Mm, I control myself when I have an opportunity for love that I don't approach it with abandon? How am I really gaining intimacy with someone? Is it really about friendship? If it's about friendship, here's an opportunity for it. And to be realistic all along while remaining within your world. And I Mm -hmm. think it's like, I like that challenge. I like that challenge about long distance to just slowly learn, if you can, Mm -hmm. and welcome them in. In a way that
1: I guess takes patience and it takes listening and yeah,
0: slow burn. Maybe
1: It is a slow burn. It's interesting because I guess you could say I have experience with long distance, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't long distance. Like I dated someone who lived in San Diego and I live in LA. So it's not that far. But I think the element that made it feel more like a traditional long distance relationship was like, yes, we're very close. We could in theory see each other every weekend, but it was like, he often worked weekends. And then I worked nine to five Monday through Friday. So it was like, sometimes we can, but sometimes we might go a month without seeing each other, even though we are so close. And I mean, it was a good experience overall, but I think, you know, some of the challenges that I noticed were that I think long distance can have the potential to, minimize some of like the differences that might be a bigger issue in a relationship long term and like we didn't have any serious issues but it was like for example we just maybe had vastly different ideas of like what our ideal weekend looked like in our day-to-day but because it was like oh we're so excited to see each other and like we're visiting and it's kind of like we're on this vacation seeing the other person I think sometimes it could be like yeah I'll do whatever you want to do and it was that excitement about seeing the other person kind of superseded any of our like normal traditions of like what we would typically seek out for ourselves if that makes sense
0: yeah I think it makes complete sense I mean I think a lot of the times and this is why I like long distance relationships I think They're looked at at, as like, not the real deal is that like, it can be seen as escapism and vacations, you know, with each other. Something that I've really caught myself in, in exploring different long distance, just in dating, not just like full on relationships is like, what am I telling them about my weekend? You know, like that's a big thing. Like Mm -hmm. while you're apart, you could still say to each other what you're doing on your weekend. And there's a way of trying to act like you're doing more with your life or you're living this certain life that you think that like they would want to be involved in or they would want to know that you're still, or there's a way of telling someone really what you do on your weekends. And if they were there, like the type of like like weekend you want to have. And there's a way of like stating it and really seeing would someone embrace that. So when they come here, it's actually the idea is that you don't want it to be a surprise. I don't want someone to come here at this point in my life and have to act like I'm living a different life than I usually live in new york i want yeah. what i'm missing out on is the things that you get is yeah. like the day to day I do want that I want the minutiae or whatever it's called you know like yeah. i want to I want the everyday I want the push of you know, being boring and and knowing Mm -hmm. someone accepts that. I want to learn what it's like when someone is in the other room and I have to sit here at the desk. I've never lived with anyone. I've never had roommates. Mm. so you've never
1: had roommates? Wow. That's huge. I've never lived with a partner, but I have had roommates. So a little different.
0: Hence, well, again, like, you know, long distance, but I mean, there's a (laughs) lot for me to learn and to see. And there's a lot, I mean, I'm forever just enamored and impressed. Like, Oh my God, tell me about the relationship. How do you deal with this thing? How do you have acceptance Mm -hmm. in yourself? Like, does it feel like somewhat like, and I just like really, I felt that even growing up because like my dad was so impressive to me Mm. that I remember all these nerves that we all felt about having to act like we were living differently than we were when he got home. Like when he got Mm -hmm. home, I always wanted to make it look like I was being productive or I would set the alarm to seem like I was got up earlier. And I don't want that in my relationships. I really Mm. want because I'm I'm that way about myself all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that like, I really just hope I can find if it's not long distance is just like that. I don't want to wait until my life is radically different than it is now to have a to have acceptance for someone seeing me as I am in my own city and in the day to day here. Yeah, I just give people credit that like are in relationships you know and just deal with like like you said you know like not seeing each other every weekend and mm-hmm. learning that that's okay and not analyzing it yeah. and choosing to go out with your friends instead of them. like there's so many points of confrontation that happen in there long are. distance and in person that I'm excited to experience again.
1: Yeah, it is really exciting. I like that you have that approach because it can be scary. Like even as I think about the idea of living with my current boyfriend, which is something we've been talking about, even though we don't have like an exact time frame for it. I do think sometimes there are elements where I'm like, wow, this would be a new challenge. Like even today, like I worked from home and I was, I was not productive. Like I really wanted to be, but I was for some reason just like so drained had zero energy, you know, so it was just Mm -hmm. not the day that I envisioned for myself. And I saw him briefly before we recorded because I came over to his place to record. And I was just straight up about that. He was like, how was your day? And I was like, I could say it was good. But I was like, it kind of sucked. I was like, exhausted. I had no idea why. And I wanted it to be this grand day. And it just wasn't. And I think that's like just a baby step towards kind of, you know, Mm. that transparency that you have to have when you live Mm. with someone and they have this full insight into your life. But it felt good that it was, okay, I actually feel comfortable enough in just admitting this openly and not worrying that he's going to judge me because of that.
0: Yeah, and it's like it's not even that you have to have because a lot of like relationships, I don't think people have that even when they live together. They hide things or they Mm. say something differently. They don't admit it. It's just like the fact that you're doing that – is such a, I realize like that is actually what vulnerability is, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, that's romantic to me as like someone wanting you after that. Like, just like imagine how deep you can get with someone when you realize like, yeah, it's unconditional. Mm -hmm. Like they're not staying with me based on like how productive my day is. Mm -hmm. And I hate that. Like I worry about that. I, I think like that. I think like that. And I think what's the idea behind that is like, well, how could we possibly be with someone until we are always running like that? Until mm-hmm. we're in this stride in our life, where we're not fucking up, we're not having boring days, we're not like behind the eight ball. And then I think about like, dude, I've been behind the eight ball in my mind for all my years. And like mm-hmm. people think I'm doing well and all this stuff and they see it that way, but I've always felt that way. And yet with all the things that I grew up with, all the titles, all the expectations that I have not met, I have been living the most loving life that I've ever had. You know, I have connected with Mm -hmm. more people in my life than I ever have. I have felt joy more than I ever have. Mm -hmm. And yet maybe in a lot of those days, I would have been ashamed to tell a partner if I had one, what my day really looked like. Mm -hmm. That's so messed up. That's so messed up. Like I need to be with a different person then, or Mm -hmm. I need to start being a different person yeah. So much to learn, so much to discover.
1: Uh, it's so deep. That's so deep. And yeah. I mean, honestly, I could clearly talk to you like all night. I mean, I feel like I just have to say thank you so much for being like so open and so transparent. I expected nothing less, even from like the moment we connected. I was like, this is going to be great. Like I can tell that she's going to be very transparent about everything. And so I just think this has been a really enriching and fruitful discussion. Thank you so much.
0: No, you're one of like, I mean, best is not a word, but like you really (laughs) uh, stand out to me and and all the people that I've come across lately. And I just love that of all things like Instagram worked in that way. Like you really are someone that I want to listen to and I'm happy to be talking to. And it's really impressive. Like I would never have known about
1: you. And yet, Look yeah, at this. The positives of Instagram. I'm so happy about this. Thank you so much. Yeah,
0: of course.
1: And before you leave, I would love if you could share with the listeners where they can find your podcast and your coaching services.
0: Right. So on all the streaming services, thank you, Heartbreak. Also, thankyouheartbreak.com takes you to Spotify. I would love, you know, if people have feedback, ratings, reviews, it does wonders. And you know, just feedback is is kind of like we all want after a relationship or need really after a relationship <laughs> to grow. I could definitely use it there as well. And then break word dot com b r e a k u p w a r d dot com for the coaching, and my email
1: address is Chelsea at Breakupward dot com. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. And I mean, honestly recommend your podcast for so many reasons, but one thing that I've been wanting to say, is like your voice is so soothing and fantastic and like sexy. So <laughs> if for no other reason, at least listen to our podcast for that, but so many other reasons, of course. <laughs>
0: Oh my god, there's some guy that was like writing one of my guests, and the guest sent me like screenshots and he was like, Is she like lying? Like, is she fucking around with us? I have a heart on. I'm like, I'm on <laughs> bike right now. Like she's messing with us. Like, uh-huh. yeah.
1: You're like, no, this like, is me. This is <laughs> no big <me>. deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. This is awesome. All right, awesome. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.